All right, beautiful ones, you are in tune to another episode, episode three of Thrive, Flourish, Prosper. I am Lady Khadija, and this is the Patience episode. I was talking to a good friend of mine last night, and um, I was telling him that in nearly 40 years, this year I'll be 39, I have never had the opportunity to only focus on me. I've always had to be considerate for or accountable to someone else. I've always either lived with someone or had to care for someone or had to consider other people. And this is the first time in my life that I've only had to be accountable to and for me and only had to consider me and only had to take care of me. In this, there are some challenges and freedom. And this is a new normal for me. And in this revelation, and this has only been for a few months now, since my mother passed away, I lived and worked with her for the last five years, five and a half years. And before that, I was married or had a roommate or um, for whatever reason, I always had to consider other people, family members. Now I live in a city where my relatives don't my mother has passed away and I'm single so and I don't have any children so I don't have to think about anyone I've always been a person who has always looked out for other people and always taken care of other people last year about this time I decided to let everything that did not serve me go and some of those things it was easy it was as simple as making a phone call or sending an email and stepping down from this organization or that position, ending friendships, um, getting rid of things, a grand purge. I had no idea that all of that was preparing me to do a few things. The first thing was to care for my mother during a terminal illness. My mother, who was a very strong independent, um, tenacious, uh, and a, a fiercely protective lioness. And so stepping down from those positions and ending those friendships kind of prepared me to be her primary caretaker in a terminal illness that I didn't know she had until I was well into that position. Um, and also gave me an opportunity to just focus on that because that was a lot. And anyone who's ever cared for someone and been a primary caregiver for someone with a terminal illness, they know how difficult that is. If you have a parent who has always been independent and always been the one to care for other people, that adds another layer of difficulty to that um, challenge. And also 
it prepared me for this time after she's passed away where I only have to focus on me. And this is a, a new, a new thing for me because I've always been part of some organization. I've always been uh, a part of a team. I've always, for the most part, in my 20 years of adult living, I've lived with other people in one capacity or another all but two of those years. So this is different. This is new and it's given me an opportunity to get to know me again. Um, I married the first time when I was 19. And so my first uh, experience living outside of my parents' home was with a, a man, with a husband, someone I had to be considerate of and accountable to, someone I had to care for and um, work with and live with and think of all the time. So now in this new environment, four months now, living on my own, it's, it's not difficult, but it is difficult. I'm reminded of a verse in a chapter in the Quran, Surat al-Shar, surely with difficulty there is ease. And it should be easy to live alone, right? It should be easy to only have to consider yourself. But for someone who's never had to do that or never had the opportunity to do that, it's new and it's difficult and it's challenging. So I'm learning what I like. I'm remembering what I'm interested in, what I'm good at. And the difficulty in that sometimes causes anxiety because, again, I only have to be accountable to me. And in that, there is a level of insecurity because it's just me, right? Nobody can do this but me. So um, I say all of that to say embrace new things. Embrace new experiences, new challenges, new opportunities. And there is always an opportunity to embrace something new. This is the patience episode. Since... I took off work in January of 2017. I've learned patience in so many different ways. I'm going to do my best to be, um, to kind of hit this straight on without going, you know, all over the place. But, um, and I'm still processing this, uh, experience of patience and seeing how 
when I exercise patients, it's not something that's easy for me. Um, it's I've always been very precocious. So um, patience has to be a practice for me. It's one of the things that uh, one of the benefits that comes from teaching young children. And whenever I am not teaching and working directly with children specifically, um, I notice that I'm a lot more impatient. So I thought it was important to share this particularly because of some recent experiences. So I took off work in January of 2017 because I knew my mother was sick. I didn't know what was wrong with her. Um, there had been some talk of cancer, and but there was never, or at least from what I could tell, there wasn't a definitive diagnosis. My mother worked very hard in keeping her diagnosis and in the fullness of her condition from me and my family. But it, when I think of how how thoroughly she worked to keep it from me, I'm like amazed um, because I worked with her and lived with her and even went to some of her doctor's appointments with her. Um, when I think of the tactics that she used to deflect and deny and um, and to to not disclose her diagnosis, I, I just I think it was amazing that someone could live with a condition like that as long as she did while working so hard to um, keep it from the people closest to them. So in January 2017, I took off work. Um, at first, not because I necessarily wanted to um, and not even definitively because my mother was sick. I could tell that she was sick. I had some um, some op employment opportunities after my my year of service that did not come through the way I wanted them, the way I had anticipated or the way they were promised. And it seemed easier to take that time to kind of refocus and figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And in that, um, my mother's condition was deteriorating. So this is the first experience in patience, right? Um, things weren't working out the way I wanted them to, the way I had planned for them to. And when I decided that, okay, let me stop, let me refocus, let me realign, then things kind of shifted and started to open up and different other opportunities started to open up. So I was able to take some time off of employ and focus on the program that my mother and I were running and also some other projects that I had going on and then also be here for her while she was dealing with her medical condition. In the summer, well, in the springtime, I was offered a position 
And really, I just took this position because I like to work. Like, I like the security of being employed, even if I am running my own business or I have other projects. I come from two parents who were employees, business owners, and service providers, and usually all three at the same time. My father is a truck driver. He runs his own trucking company. He's usually employed doing that work also, and he provides other services, hauling and moving and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, I'm used to working and running my business at the same time. Both my parents did. Um, so there's a certain level of security that comes for me being employed, even if I'm running a business. So, um, I took this position in, um, I was offered in the spring. I was supposed to start in the spring, but it didn't work out. I didn't start the position until the summertime and what was going to be a part-time position in the spring and the summer ended up being full-time plus. I worked a lot of overtime. Um, and this is the second instance where I'm learning patience and this time in a different way, because instead of sitting back and refocusing and paying attention and realigning, I did something probably without thinking about all of the consequences that ended up not being such a good idea. It didn't quite, again, it didn't quite work out the way that I had planned. Um, and it was actually something that destroyed a relationship. Um, it took a lot out of me. It, it, there was some good that came from it, but it was, um, it was a very tumultuous position. I was supposed to work four 10 hour days a week and an occasional, you know, four or five hour day on Saturday. And I ended up working like 12 to 14 hours, four days a week, sometimes on Friday and Saturday and for less money than <laughs> what I was promised. And, um, none of the other benefits that was supposed to come with that position happened. So, um, it ended up being really hard on me emotionally and physically. And all this time I worked for about three months. And um, this was the time when my mother's condition was deteriorating. And then I also got a marriage proposal during this time that ended up being a horrible experience. Um, I won't talk much about that in particular, but um, it was this is it was this was like the opposite of this is this is this showed me what not being patient can do. Um, so at the end of the summer, I took off work again. At this time, my mother's condition had deteriorated even more and she wasn't able to care for herself at all. So I had to I had to take off. I could not work, um, especially those long hours, because I was I would be out of the house for sometimes 16, 17 hours a day. Um, 
up to five days a week. And then sometimes on Saturday. Um, and she wasn't able to go up and down the stairs. She couldn't bathe herself. She couldn't feed herself or she, she could feed herself, but she couldn't prepare her own meals. Um, she didn't have any energy. And it was during this time when I found out that she had cancer and how serious her condition was. And at this at this point, it was very aggressive. So about two weeks after I knew the fullness of her condition, I took off work for good. We had intended to um, for me to apply to be her home health care giver. Um, and I did, and that just, it didn't work out for whatever reason. So from January, 2017 to October, the end of October, 2017, when she passed away, I was employed for a total of three months. And when she passed away in October, I had a little savings. We had gotten some help support from some of the community members here and family members. And I knew that I needed to be working by December in order for me to maintain my household on my own. So I kind of um, kicked into um, high gear in October and November when my family members were still here and I was also visiting family and I started looking for work. I started um, kind of really going hard because I knew that I had just enough savings to kind of make it through the end of the year. So I applied for a bunch of different positions in my field, which is early childhood education and also customer service for jobs that I knew I could get. And November came and went, December came and went, I was supposed to, like I was promised a job that I was supposed to start before the first of the year, and that didn't work. Um, and I found out later that they had froze hiring, um, and I could still go get that job right now if I wanted to, um, but nothing was working, and I was panicking. I was extremely stressed, um, anxious, so stressed and anxious that my hair started falling out in patches and clumps. Um, all this time though, I'm not really needing anything. Uh, not that I didn't need anything, but it was just that people were helping me before I knew I needed things. Right. Um, so one I had I was really frustrated. This was maybe January. Um I had a, like I was applying for 30 
40 jobs in a month, right? And not a single call back. Right? I wasn't getting any calls back. I wasn't hearing anything, no interviews, nothing. I don't know what happened, what changed, but come the end of, or the middle of February last month, I, st- I still applying for work and, um, I got called back for every job that I applied for. And then I realized what changed. I stopped worrying. I stopped stressing. I stopped um, being anxious. Like I just, I kind of resolved that I don't lose anything that's mine by divine right. I always have everything I need. Like that was the thing that that I kind of, I had to remind myself. I have never in my lifetime not had everything I needed, not gotten everything I asked for. Um, never. Like, in, I've never been without food or shelter um, except for two nights and I was without shelter and that was by my own choice. Um, I've never been without food and I'm gonna talk about those two nights another time. Um, so it wasn't so much patience that I was focused on. As much as I knew that I needed to access fearless faith. And that's, for me, that is how you show patience. It's not waiting. It's not, um, it's not what you're waiting for, or it's not the fact that you're waiting. It is how you wait. It is how you feel. When you wait, it is what you do when you're waiting for whatever good, for whatever you're expecting for it to come. And I panicked from the middle of November until the middle of February. I was panicking and I just kind of stopped and looked around and realized that I had everything I needed. Um, that I've always had everything I needed and I shifted my focus to gratitude instead of um, anxiety or worry or fear. And it was again about this time last year, springtime last year brought a lot of new things and I'm really anticipating the new that's coming with this approaching seasonal change because the three things that came to me last year, which would kind of came along those lines of letting go of all of the things that didn't serve me and that did not benefit me. There were three things to let fear propel you forward to dismiss doubt and 
to push past mistrust. And those three things translated to me into fearless faith. And for me, that is what patience is. It is moving forward past the fear and dismissing doubt and moving from mistrust. So be patient, loved ones. It's not waiting. It's not what you're waiting for. It is how you wait. It is what you do when you wait. So be patient. Okay, loved ones, this week, the question of the week comes from a personal experience. Um, So, I don't know, um, sometime in December, I think, I started sitting, working with a grief counselor. Um... And I was kind of reluctant in the beginning. That's why it was about six weeks before, maybe two months, two, four months before I started seeing um, this grief counselor. But I had a few sessions with her. They were really, um, they were beneficial. But I was oftentimes feeling a, a way that I didn't like when um, when the sessions were over. So it was beneficial in that I could kind of express some of the things that I was feeling personally um, since my mother passed. But, and it was a sister, you know, um, but I was feeling judged. Uh, like every time she would leave, I was feeling like, um, like she was judging me. And she would say little snarky comments. Um, but she would come to my house. Um, there was one particular incident where um, a friend of mine sent uh, some water filters. I live in Flint. Um, we still don't know really. Um, and I won't talk about that in this episode. <laughs> um, but we don't, we still don't know what the water is like. Like that's still a, a very open kind of issue. Um, and there's a lot of politics and yeah. So a friend of mine sent some, uh, water filters for me. Um, right now she is actually requesting or raising funds for me, um, on her Facebook page. Um, shout out to Jay. Uh, I mean, I have some really good friends, you know, I have people who really care about me. Um, 
And I'm really like extremely grateful for that. So my homegirl sent some filters and they were outside in, in by the mailbox when the grief counselor showed up. And I had mentioned to her the first meeting, um, she asked me, you know, about some of the things I was dealing with. I mentioned to her some of the financial um, challenges that I was facing since my mother passed. And the homegirl going to say, well, I mean, you know, we must not have, have you having too many difficulties with money. We order stuff from Amazon. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> uh, but I just told her like a friend of mine sent water filters because she was concerned about the condition of my water here in Flint. Um, you know, we had a little brief conversation about that, but that was the first instant where um, I felt, or the first blatant instant, because once I sat back and reflected, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. there were a lot of little, you know, snarky sideways comments that homegirl said, and I just, I, I had to think, do I want to sit here with, or maybe, you know, this is part of the, the grief. And I, you know, I told her, I'm pretty open about that. I told her, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm feeling a little, um, I might be a little sensitive, but some of the things that you're saying is, is I'm not comfortable with that, you know? And so I had to just, I had maybe four sessions with her. And it was good to be able to get that, um, get that out, work with her, you know, the things that I needed to talk to her about initially. And I'm still anybody who's, who's a loved one, or I don't want to say lost, um, anybody who has had a loved one pass or, uh, or especially a parent, particularly a mother make transition That's something that never goes away. That's the thing that I've been hearing. And that's something that I even had an opportunity to discuss with my mother before she passed. I felt very privileged and very um, just really blessed in a way to have had time with her. And she and maybe this was just for her own well-being while she was going through her her illness um to you know she do what mothers do they want to prepare their children for whatever they can and so she you know my mother kind of coached me (laughs) um and I sat with her um we talked about what I would do she never none of us ever said or you know made it like oh you're gonna die um that I think it was well there was one particular person who always had to make sure that she said your mother is dying and I won't even talk about I might talk about that in a later episode (laughs) but um but everybody was very careful even her her physicians and her specialists were very careful not to put an expiration date on her life um, we all were, she never, um, even felt like that or made us feel like that, but she definitely did do everything in her power to make sure that she could prepare me in what, in whatever way she could within her means 
for this transition in this new phase of my life because she had lost or had experienced the transition of her mother. And so we got a chance to talk about that a lot. But again, anybody who's ever had this experience and from what I'm hearing from friends of mine, um, who has had their mother pass, this is something that you just learn to live with. You never get over it. You never, um, it's just something that you, you learn to live with. It's going to be a new normal. These are the things that I've been hearing. My cousin, who to a certain degree, she's a lot older than me. Um, and my mother raised her she was kind of like a mother to me or a mother figure. Um, her mother passed away three years ago. And um, my ex, I was his mother's, or one of her caregivers in the last months of her life. Um, I have some very close friends whose mother is made transition. And so I, I'm hearing this a lot. So my question this week it's based on this experience because I had to let my grief counselor go because I could see me snapping off on her because I'm not going to let somebody come in my house and assault me, especially while I'm grieving and you're supposed to be helping me. So, um, and the one thing that will send me over the edge is disrespect. I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't like, I'm not a saint. I'm not righteous. I'm not, um, I will clock out on somebody and, People who know me very well know this about me. And it's only a few people who know <laughs> what will send me over the edge because they've witnessed it, right? Um, some people think that is, you know, some people think I might be a little more fiery than I actually am. And then other people have no idea. Um, but there are some people who know me well enough to know the things that will like send me over the edge. And one thing that will will do that is people who are supposed to be helping people, but try to insult them and judge them. Um, I hate judgmental people and I hate injustice. And for this lady who's probably not old as me to come in my house and insult me and judge me while she's supposed to be helping me, I could just see it was going to be all bad. So I had to let her go. And that was one of the things, it was part of the reason, and I kind of mentioned this in the post um, for the first episode of this podcast that I posted at LadyKadija.com. Um, is I needed to do this. I needed to, this podcast needed to happen. And part of the reason it needed to happen, there are a bunch of reasons. It's kind of been years in the making. Um, is it needed to happen for me and for other people to focus on thriving, to focus on growing to focus on prospering. So many of us are dealing with things, all kinds of negativity, grief, hardship, pain, trauma, drama. Um, and 
for me, in order for me to, to live, like, and that was one thing I always said to my family members and my mom, especially in the throes of her, con- her condition while she was at her worst is, you know, and, and she wasn't, she understood, I'm gonna have to live after this, <laughs> you know, like when, when this is over, like whatever happens, and that was always the thing I would say, whatever happens, whether you live or die, I gotta live after this. So that is part of the why of this podcast, Thrive, Flourish, Prosper, is because I knew I needed to live, you know, and not survive, not struggle, live. So the question of the week this week is how do you grieve? How, what does grief look like for you? particularly for people who have um, experienced the transition, the passing of a parent, what does grief look like for you? And I know that most women, especially whose mother has made a transition, the general response, and I've gotten a couple of responses to this question already via social media, is you never get over it. You're always grieving. You just learn to live with it. My question is how, how do you live with this transition, this new normal? What does this grief look like for you? Yeah, so make sure you download the Anchor app to send me a message and answer this question, the question of the week. How do you grieve? What does grief especially with the transition of a loved one, what does it look like for you? Once again, thank you for listening to this episode of Thrive, Flourish, Prosper. I'm Lady Khadijah. When you hear this, share this. To support this content and other content to come, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash Lady Khadijah. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lady Khadijah. You can tweet with me at underscore Lady Khadijah. And if you want to send a message for this podcast, make sure you download the Anchor FM app from the Google Play or iTunes store and find me online at www.ladykadesha.com. Be at peace, loved ones.